This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi, everyone. I want to dedicate this Earth Files program tonight to my colleague and dear friend Ian Holling, whose mother died early this morning in England after a long illness, with her son Ian always at her side helping. And as Ian and his family mourn her transition, he and my other Earth Files colleagues, Brad and Eric, we want to send to all of you prayers that this 2024 New Year will have more peace everywhere and more truth. The governments and power brokers will finally confirm there is other intelligent life in this universe, from Earth to Mars and beyond. Even a seashell was described in a Mars photo by this 2016 UK Daily Mail headline, quote, Have sea creatures been spotted on Mars? Alien hunters claim seashells are evidence that an ancient Mars ocean once had life, close quote. It is true that there once was an ocean on Mars that held more water than Earth's Arctic Sea. The Gusev Crater on the southern hemisphere side of the Martian equator also held water, And in this 2012 NASA Mars exploration image, red lines encircle what is thought to be a broken seashell, photographed there by the Curiosity rover in 2016 and reported by Mars image researcher Scott Waring. But he had seen the seashell photo before in this Curiosity rover image of the Gusev crater back in 2012. Waring said, quote, the shell is round and the top of the shell was thinner, so it's been broken away, but the outer rim still exists, close quote. The implication is that the Martian seashell had not moved between the 2012 and 2016 NASA Curiosity rover images. Since the Curiosity rover's August 6, 2012 landing on the Martian surface, Curiosity has reported traces of water still running on the Martian surface. Some researchers say the evidence keeps growing that Mars had an ancient ocean with living creatures that perhaps once included fish. This red NASA circle was put on this March 2016 NASA black and white photo of what looks like a fish taken by the Curiosity rover that might be petrified from long ago. Scientists at the Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland, were the first to calculate how much water Mars had in the past. Their conclusion was that between 4.1 to 3.7 billion years ago, Mars had enough water to cover at least 20% of the red planet with surface water for maybe a billion years. Most of the water formed an ocean in the northern hemisphere of Mars, shown in this illustration. 
Also in the Northern Hemisphere is the Cydonia region, where a large face on Mars that covers 25.7 miles long, 2.7 miles wide, was photographed on July 25, 1976, by the U.S. Viking 1 orbiter. The face is not far from a giant five-sided pyramid, also known as the DNM pyramid, after investigators Di Pietro and Molinar. The face and five-sided pyramid are near a spiral mound and what they call the bastion and the city. This Cydonia complex in the Martian Northern Hemisphere is located near latitude-longitude 40.75 degrees north and 350.54 degrees east. Who built them, and what else did the mysterious architects build? Did they also build this gray dome? And where is this on Mars? Well, this image was taken by the Z-Mass camera from the Curiosity rover at the longitude and latitude posted with this image during Sol 766, taken on April 16, 2023, at local solar time of 1558. A Sol is a day on Mars, which is 3% longer than a day on Earth. There is another, even bigger, circular gray dome in the same region, also photographed by the Z-Mass camera from the Curiosity rover, rolling along in the same Mars latitude-longitude region on April 16, 2023. The man who sent me these Mars dome images is David Gannett from Norton, Massachusetts, He is now 72 years old and has spent his life in 3D processing and photography. Currently, he is producing this Martian archaeology book in stereographic 3D entitled Stunning Evidence of a Vanished Civilization. David also worked for the United States Army Materiel Command in the late 1990s and then for LASO, the lead AMC integration support office of the U.S. Army, then for technical maintenance and design engineering, and then for Systems Engineering Solutions Incorporated, also known as SESI. From 1997 to May 2021, the United States has put six successful Mars rovers on the red planet that have included this Opportunity rover image, of its own tracks in the Martian red dust on this ridge with a dust devil in the background, photographed on March 31, 2016. Other rovers have included Sojourner, Spirit, and most recently, Curiosity and the Perseverance helicopter. I asked David Gannett if he took an interest in Mars because of information that he was exposed to in his various military offices that he worked for. Here was his instant reply. No, actually, I began getting in to the Mars anomalies to debunk it. I'm a commercial pilot, and I spent many years flying. I found archaeological ruins within 15 minutes. And within another 15 minutes, I found more ruins. And if I can see this from orbit, 
then there must be items on the ground. And when I saw that first dome, you usually don't find two of them in the same cell. I had posted domes in the past. I did one that was picked up by the Huffington Post back in 2015. You and others have found these gray domes on Mars more than once or twice, that there are even others beyond what we are showing here? Absolutely. But are the domes small or large? I asked David Gannett if NASA had XYZ metric data about the size of the gray domes. David explained, quote, the nav cams and the mast cams are on different photographic missions. Most of the time, anomalies found in a mast cam image cannot be found in the nav cam images, which usually have the metric data, close quote. So is that why NASA does not have XYZ metric data about the sizes of the gray domes? NASA Mars exploration mathematician Tom Stein was able to help David Gannett calculate this measured point between the two dome images at 88.7 meters, that is 291 feet, or about the length of a football field. Do you and others go to somebody in NASA and say, what are these gray domes on Mars? Those people protect their jobs. They are not going to stick their necks out and say, hey, we have a dome. They're going to say, this is just geology. How do you explain this geology? Well, they say it's the endless wind and sands. Whatever they are, where did they come from that the wind would turn them into gray domes? That's my question, too. How does the wind do that? The government knows a lot about everything on Mars, and we know zero. Exactly so. And yet, we have this book that I'm getting ready to push over the finish line. It has over 100 anomalies in it. How can this be? What else falls into, like, sculptured rock on Mars? Linda, this next image from Curiosity, I call it a toppled pinnacle. That broken and fallen sculpture looks like a man wearing an Assyrian cone-shaped head covering, like the Assyrian man on the right in this antique engraving depicting ancient Assyrian relief illustrations. I know that in the history of our own planet Earth, there was an ancient Sumerian civilization beginning around 5,000 years ago that lived where the Tigris and Euphrates rivers of Mesopotamia emptied into the Persian Gulf. And then, about a thousand years ago, that same Mesopotamian-Sumerian region was taken over by the Assyrians. Here on earth, the Assyrians carved on a large stone slab a tree of life in the middle, with a feathered being hovering above. The two men closest to the Tree of Life are Assyrian priests wearing cone-shaped head coverings. They resemble the cone-shaped hat on the fallen stone man on Mars. The men next to them wearing large ropey headdresses are Anunnaki. 
from what you know, what would you estimate is the size of the toppled head? I would say this is probably three feet from top to bottom. So if the head and the hat might be three feet long, then what looks like a table to the right of the head might be four or five feet long. It's like a very smooth black, like a shadow of something. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And we're just seeing that portion of the slab in shadow. Everything in this image, it's just screaming archaeology to me. And if we see carved archaeological remains in the toppled pinnacle, then it follows that perhaps there are others on the surface of Mars. And Linda, this image is from Curiosity 1073. And I call it Brickwork Ruins because that's what it looks like to me. That's at the center of this image, right? That's where it seems to me I'm looking at rooms that have 90-degree corners, and we are like at an angle above looking through the empty roof into these rooms. Exactly. And if you pay attention behind the curved part of the upper left, you'll see what appear to be cylinders or possibly steps. In the far left, almost at the midline of the image, it almost looks like oxygen tanks or something laid there. It does. And to the left of that is something which appears carved as well. It may just be sedimentary rock. We don't have enough resolution to make a clear determination on that. But it is compelling in conjunction with this clearly artificial structure. Now, draw your attention to the mid-ground and look at all the square walls and look at the square plates. The object that is in the foreground, it almost looks like stitching of three holes going along a roof that is on top of structure. Exactly. And those appear to be walls with a perfect 90-degree angle. We have found a multitude of openings and very unusual caves all across Mars. And we've also seen other indicators of underground activity. My personal conviction is that NASA has a complete huge file of high-resolution classified images taken in 3D of the ruins and artifacts that they have found but not released to the public. They're so obfuscating the data. And they will do what I call rockify, where they'll apply texture mapping to artifacts, hide them, blend into the background, purposely blur portions of the image on Mars and on the moon. The airbrushing of everything that's sensitive, and that's what they do. (laughs) Exactly. The thing with Google Mars is that when they go to those coordinates, they can only get so close to the surface before it pixelates. That's right. About a year or two after I found a number of very interesting Google Mars structures and ruins, and I pinned them on the map, when I went back, they're not to be. You could only get so close, and it was all pixelated. Just from having looked at thousands of images, that there's a tendency to redact images that have anomalies in them. And also, in the NAVCAM images, which provide XYZ data, 
so you can get metrics from them. Very often, those with anomalies in them have the XYZ data unavailable. You can't tell how far it is or how big it is. We are lucky to have the images today that we're talking about on the Earth Files YouTube channel. Otherwise, they might have been all fuzzed out and we would never know they were there, which I think is why Haim Eshed, who once was the director of the satellite program in Israel, released a book in November of 2020, The Universe Beyond the Horizon, an extraordinarily interesting book, and the epilogue is special. And in the epilogue is this next image of what looks like a hill with a fort made out of, I think you could say, mud bricks on the top. And Haim Eshed put this photo in the epilogue along with some other information in which he was clearly saying, everyone on Earth, look at what is already on Mars that is structured to back up his implying that yes, he knew that there were UFOs and ETs. And when he was asked, well, why aren't the ETs being introduced to us? His answer was, it's not our decision. It is their decision when they want to be introduced to Earth. I agree. And these are very compelling images. And as we go to the first of three images, these were taken by the nav cams. And so they're black and white stereo. They're not very high resolution. Nevertheless, you can see detail. And this image number one gives you a far view of this tower. And that these are the remains of archaeology right there. And then if you dig in there, that thing's loaded with artifacts. Mm -hmm. But you can see what might possibly be steps or some kind of ascension on the left side, but the tower on top, and you can see that it's built with individual stones, does not belong on Mars. Which is why Haim Eshed put it in his epilogue, and it was like, See, I'm showing you, there's structure on Mars. And it's one that you can't argue with. Yeah. You can't scoff at Brigadier General Hyman Shedd and his immense lifetime of contribution to the Israeli space program and exploration in general. I learned while doing a Earth Files YouTube channel production with a colleague of his that he knew that there were other life forms he knew that there had been or was still on Mars life. And I'm looking forward to uh, have, trying to have dialogue with some of your Q&A, but I wanted to tell you something very important as a follow-up on this whole issue of what's on Mars, how long has it been there, how much has our government known, and is there a base there now? And this goes back to a whole day meeting in 1988. A man had called me from the White Sands Missile Range. Uh, he wor worked for the Naval Research Lab. 
he had seen me, uh, I think at the time it was at a conference or uh, on a TV program, and he uh, said, I need to come, I can't talk with you on the phone. I have to come to where you are. And I don't do that very often, but there was a sense of urgency and I was curious and I would never meet uh, somebody at my home or any place like that, so it was a public place. But to boil, <coughs> boil down all of those hours of discussion that relates to what we have just been looking at as questions about what is on the surface of Mars and implied what's inside of Mars. And he said that a physicist had come to work on a project at the NRL uh, at White Sands in New Mexico. And that this man who sought me out uh, had an assignment in which he had worked with the physicist enough that the physicist told him a secret. And that the secret was that the physicist had been on his fifth trip to Mars and was planning a sixth trip and that we already had a base on Mars, meaning the United States was working and the implication was that we were working with other intelligences and that the base that we were working on, in underground on Mars was an extension of something already ancient and existing where we now were working with other intelligences to have a base on Mars and that was before 1988. And I think today that here we are at another juncture in a revolution in which Earth has a chance for all of the power brokers and the leaders to choose truth and not more lies. Because it is almost laughable if we're going to continue for the rest of this century with a whole space force that is going out, already can go to Mars and go to many other places. Are we actually going to be on a planet where there will be policies of lies and denials about what's really on Mars, what's really inside of Mars, what's really inside of Ganymede, what's really... Why can't we shift gears? I was just finishing up in order to share with you what I thought was an extraordinary discussion in 1988 by somebody who did work at the White Sands Missile Range uh, area of the Naval Research Lab and who was telling me about his firsthand discussion with a physicist who had been to Mars underground in a base. And if there are bases, then it might also explain why there is so much, as Mr. Gannett said, rocking over so many parts of Mars and all the pixelation. And even if you're in Google Mars, there's just so much you cannot see. Um, and I was uh, ending before this last interruption of dimensional frequencies, that um, I am glad that we are able to discuss it 
right now I'm talking to you as honestly as I possibly can of what I know, but I'm so afraid that the political and trillionaire levels and layers of our planet want to continue to control now the real reality of yet another planet, Mars, and that I can't understand how much further this could go of all the lies when trillionaires know that there are asteroids that can be used for profit, but at the same time, if everything keeps being hidden for corporate reasons, for government reasons, for military reasons, <laughs> we'll end up in a solar system in which every single object that the power brokers and the military and others are going to is denied. And there will be another classified reality on another planet. So I hope that is not going to be the case with Mars. And I hope that we can go uh, finally into uh, opening up with everybody at every level saying, okay, it's past time for the people on Earth to know the truth of what the power brokers and the trillionaires know. And on that note, struggling to keep frequencies going, uh, I'm going to go to, uh, does Brad and Eric, are there other questions? Because we don't, don't have Ian, and Brad is pointing to a question that is underneath now Chocolate, who has decided to join in the chaos. What happened to civilization on Mars? Excellent question, and here is the book to read. This was something that I've had for a long time. And I, tonight I had a thought, I must tell people about Wars of the Anunnaki, Nuclear Self-Destruction in Ancient Sumer by Chris Hardy, PhD. Chris and I have had long discussions at conferences, and I think she has done one of the best works uh, there is. And so I highly recommend that all of you who can get Wars of the Anunnaki, self, Nuclear Self-Destruction in Ancient Sumer by Chris Hardy, and then I will uh, also uh, try to organize an interview with Chris Hardy that I could put and bring to you in uh, a future Earth Files not too far out in time, because her work is exemplary, detailed, and the Anunnaki are an extraterrestrial key to something huge about the strangeness of what the interactions have been with Earth by non-humans. And there also is this big puzzle, and a lot of you have been asking the question even tonight in and around our strange freezes. Are the tall whites that we reference today Anunnaki? I don't have proof, but from everything I've read, interviewed, I say the tall whites are quite different than from the Anunnaki, but that it is a fascinating question to put to Chris Hardy. So I promise I am going to try to put together an interview with images as she has done in this excellent book. It is just an extraordinary read. Wars of the Anunnaki, 
But then the question is, why? If there are advanced intelligences that range from perhaps spiritual tall whites to rapacious reptiles uh, to insects to uh, a variety of greys, artificial intelligence, the list goes on and on and on of different types. Why would we be at the end of the line of the sentence that I read with my own eyes and brain on April 9th, 1983 at Kirtland Air Force Base when I was trying to produce an hour documentary for home box office called UFOs, the ET Factor, and was shown this document. Briefing paper for the President of the United States of America on unidentified aerial craft, UACs, unidentified aerial vehicles, UAVs, were used in this briefing. And the two sentences, as I've shared with you all before, the two sentences out of that report that I still see in my mind's eye, as if I, there was a screen and I could see the words. These extraterrestrial biological entities manipulated DNA in already evolving primates to create Homo sapiens. All questions and mysteries about the evolution of Homo sapiens on this planet have been answered and this project is closed. I sure would like to be able to fill in all of the blanks and gaps that must rush through your mind as they do my mind to fill in those two extraordinary sentences. Why are humans so self-destructive and violent? If we are the product of the manipulation of DNA, in already evolving primates that goes back at least 278 million years for the beginning and 45,000 years ago with the crossfade with Neanderthal. Why, after in all of that experimentation by all of these other intelligences, why would we end up being so self-destructive? Why? It really bothers me. And it suggests that even through the minds, eyes, and experiences of people in the human abduction syndrome, we may not be getting truth at all. It may be manipulation. Having said that, and putting it out there as one of the possibilities of actual fact and truth, I want to say that I personally do not feel that the tall whites are scammers or deceivers of whatever it is that they are here and have a base in Ganymede and are out in the Procyon A and B area and uh, 82G Eridani is their main solar system 40 light years from here. I really do think that the people who have interacted and talked to me that it leaves open an exciting potential that they might care about humans enough to finally at some point leave the they're a secret and then interacting somehow to help the planet. That's a wish and it is not backed up by serious facts yet, but it shows how 
how very complicated all of this is, that after eons of genetic manipulation described by our own government in secret documents that I've been shown and others have been shown, that we are at a point where we are, we are causing a climate backlash. The earth is unsettled. The sun is unsettled. Those are the geophysical parts of this. But we are yet in another stage of wars and hatred and destruction. So I really do feel strongly that if it were possible for us as a species, even at 8 billion, which is too many for planet Earth, if we could truly be educated about the real truths of who shares Earth with us, the Moon with us, Ganymede with us, and the list goes on and on, and we are kept in the dark. If it could be, the dark could be erased and we could be told the whole truth, we might find a whole new lens in which to look at our fellow human beings, as I've often talked about the Greeks talking about the agape love of each other instead of hatred. And on this January 3rd of 2024, with the strange freezings in other dimensions, <laughs> just keep talking. We don't know if you can hear my voice. Uh, we have frozen again. I, we have no idea. Uh, I hear your voice. And a question that Brad has just handed me, uh, if you can hear me. Quote, do you think we will ever get to Mars? Close quote. I have just answered you about the man that I spent uh, hours talking to about a base on Mars that we have been going to for a long time with the help of some non-humans. As far as I know, we have a base there right now on January 3rd, 2024, and that the relationships in our solar system and beyond are complicated because apparently there are entities such as the trinoloid insects on Epsilon Eridani, four and a half light years from Earth, very close. As far as I know, they are real, they are dangerous, they are a huge threat. And if we didn't have the allyship of the Tall Whites and some of the Nordics, we might not be here today. Saying that, I realize how frustrating it is that if there are other intelligences who want to help us, why can't they just be brought in front of us, front and center, introduced, and we truly move into a new era and epic on this planet. I'm not going to try to answer any more Q&A. I'm going to ask Brad if he can try one more time for us to go live because I have something special I would like to share. Chocolate and Fluffy here and Brad is a few feet away from me and uh, dear Ian is in England going through a very, very, very difficult place. When I talked to him this morning, his voice was trembling. And in resonant sympathy with my dear friend Ian 
and his family in England. I would like now to close early because of all these problems that we don't know what the cause is. That I'm going to close a little early with these words from 20th century German poet Reiner Rilke. Quote, A billion stars go spinning through the night, blazing high above your head, but in you is the presence that will be when all the stars are dead. Close quote. It's an ode to our souls. And may the thought that dwells in the light protect Ian's mom's soul now and forever and protect all of you always in this revolutionary time. And I pray that we will get some defense or something solved so that this doesn't happen again next week. But if it does, if somebody is attacking us or whatever is happening, keep coming because I will be here on Wednesday nights trying to reach all of you at a time where I think those of us who feel the same way about life on earth and introduction to other intelligences, that we want to have these gatherings. God bless everybody. And Ian, to your family, to all of you, the best. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this Earth Files podcast from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com. Thank <laughs> you.